Thank you guys for tuning into the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back for another week, back for another episode. I want to say thank you guys for clicking that button and giving me a chance to share with you my thoughts and my opinions about what's going on out here in this world and in the, in the culture. I want to shout out to my all-time favorite player, Kobe Bean Bryant. Today is the anniversary of the 81-point game. You know, it was a 15-year anniversary where he put up 81 points against the Toronto Raptors. You know, that game was like no other game. You know, he, he put up 81 points and they say he, didn't, he didn't say a word. You know, that's called that mama mentality, man. Just going out there, putting in the work. You know, everything that you work hard for in the offseason, you put in that work and it shines through throughout the regular season and, and throughout the playoffs and as, as well as the finals. You know, so shout out to Kobe Bean Bryant. We miss you. You know, this this hasn't been the same since you left us. It was a, a unbelievable day to see you pass away. And we also have your your first year anniversary of your, of your passing is coming up soon. So, you know, we want to just say you know, shout out to you for your, you know, your accomplishment of the 81 point game, 15 year anniversary. Also want to send in my condolences to Hank Aaron, one of the greatest baseball players to ever do it, you know, of the Atlanta Braves. You know, he was one of those guys that everybody outside of the baseball world really looked up to. He passed Babe Ruth, one of the baseball legends and home runs. I read off some of his stats. He had 755 home runs, 2,297 RBIs, 2,174 runs scored, 25 all-time All-Star, 1957 National League MVP, 1957 World Series champ, three-time Golden Glove, two-time batting champ, and of course, he's a Hall of Famer. If you know baseball, you know everything that it comes to um, the great player that, that Hank Aaron was. So again, I'd like to share my condolences with him, his family, and my prayers are with you. So with that, I go ahead and get the podcast started. Grab your lighters, pull up. If you're at the gym, you're in the car, turn me up. Let's get it. Thank you guys for sticking around to the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back. You know, I just want to kick this podcast off by, you know, talking about the, the thing that happened this week, the inauguration. You know, it was an amazing event that kind of went down. They did a great job with the inauguration as far as not having, you know, any people out in the streets and, you know, congratulating them and seeing the new black first lady. We do have a black queen in the White House now being a first lady with Kamala Harris, you know, AKA, you know, everybody on my timeline was amazing thing to see, you know, all the chucks and the pearls that was up and down my timeline, you know, for the entire day. That was an amazing thing to see, you know, to just have someone of color in the house. That's not the president. That is a, that is a lady, you know, that's also from Oakland, you know, just to see that was an amazing thing to see. You know, my daughters, they was watching and they were seeing Kamala's and her family. They were seeing everybody walking. They were just seeing all the joyous things that was happening, you know, for our country and just being able to show my daughters that you can do, you can be that if you want to. If that's something you aspire to be, you want to be like that, then you have the, you know, the ability to go out and do that. You know, it's all about representation. If you see something, sometimes you, it seems attainable. And I was showing my daughters that, you know, like, let them know that it's okay to, to be different. Different. It's okay to go and chase your dreams and, and not make it right off the bat, but still continue to fight and continue to do what you need to do to try to get to where you want to be in life and to just show her that, you know, this is a possibility for us now. Because when I was coming up, there was nowhere in the world that some, you know, a black guy or a, a black lady or woman that was going to be in the White House, that was just a no-no. It was all old white men. For the, for the longest duration of my life. You know, you never saw anybody of color doing anything that has to lead that much power. Because when you're in that office, you have the power. You have the power, you, you basically, you're a first world country and you have all the power. 
And so to have someone in that position just does wonders for the kids that's looking up to her. You know, she, my, my daughters was just running around so excited. You know, it's not about necessarily that uh, the power that they have. It's more about it's more or less for the kids to just see someone in that position. You know, we try to we, we try to minimize sometimes about the prison scene and this and that. But just being able to know that, you know, at the highest level, you know, to see somebody in that position for my daughter was just amazing. Just enjoying it and taking in that moment, just seeing, like I said, seeing my timeline, seeing everybody talking about it, just showing all the support for her and her family. You know, like I said, seeing all the AKAs on all throughout the timeline on the news, seeing the chokes and the pearls. So, you know, she's of the AKA. We're going to have someone in the White House who's of a, a black fraternity, you know, AKA, you know, all the ladies who kind of came out and they were strutting and just doing doing the things that they need to do to kind of represent for her, you know, wearing, her per, wearing the pearls. And of course, she likes to wear Chuck Taylor's or the converses when she's out and about that she says she feels comfortable in. So we just had that all up and down the timeline. And just to see somebody, you know, like that in the White House now is going to be an amazing thing to see. You know, we had the Obamas in there. They was in there with class and grace. You know, they were there as well to kind of help support them on their big day. You know, but just to see someone of, you know, a black fraternity in there kind of representing and they know that she's a AKA. So just to be able to just see that and, and show that to my daughter was an amazing thing because, like I said, it's all about representation on the screen you know sometimes you don't quite think you can do something unless you see somebody else do it but sometimes you just have to just see it in order to be able to feel like it's obtainable because sometimes these things don't feel obtainable because you can't see them you can't fathom those things but just to see it with your own two eyes was an amazing thing to see the 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 person who stole the show for me was Amanda, you know, Amanda Gorman. She was a, a young queen. She put on an amazing po uh, uh, display of poetry. She she was there. She was poised. Her words were clear. She had she was articulating all her words. She was you know showing class. She was showing grace, and she was saying powerful things with the words throughout her port her poem. And to me, that's who really stole the show. You had, of course, you had other people to come up and sing like J-Lo and you had other people as like Garth Brooks and all these other people, were, you know, doing singing and things like that. But to see this young queen, you know, from the youth port society, you know, she's 22 years old. She step out on the scene. She's looking fly. Her makeup is on point. Her hair is on point. Her her clothes on point. Everything about her was on point that day. And for her to deliver a message in front of thousands of people and millions of people around the world who just walking, who's just watching. And she did it with so, so much poise and so much grace. It was just amazing to see a young queen perform at the high level like that. And just with some poetry, you don't quite see that every single day, you know, seeing somebody saying some amazing words with and deep words and deep thought provoking, you know, words with her poem um, for a young lady to be that at that age. So, you know, I was happy for her and her accomplishment because I'm pretty sure it took her a lot of, of time and effort and patience and knows that she probably had to endure to get into this position so to be able to be there for the presidential inauguration that is humongous and that's, that's a lifelong achievement a dream that a lot of people probably never thought of and she probably dreamed about that and she actually accomplished it so for for her to do that that was another notch up under the belt for being able to show the, the greatness of our black young queens. And, and my daughter was watching that and she was in awe of that moment. And just just being able to show my daughters things like this on TV to show them that, you know, there are other people that are look just like you doing amazing things in the world and you can do it, too. You just have to put your mind to it and you have to go for it.
and we just thought about the inauguration as a whole because you know last week we had the storming of the capitol and you you wonder what was going to happen this week we wonder was there going to be a transfer of power was it going to be a simple it was going to be simple or was it going to be a lot of chaos going on and i'm pretty sure they had the military extra beefed up military on hand ready for any chaos that could go on you know but they probably did all that last week and they got it out their systems and they knew what time it was this week it's like it's not gonna be no playing around it wasn't gonna be a situation where the national guard wasn't gonna be there it wasn't gonna be a situation where they're gonna be able to kind of just overtake anything that was going on not this day not the presidential inauguration it wasn't gonna be no playing around i'm pretty sure they had all the guys out there with the machine guns and all of, you know all the zip ties they ready they were ready it wasn't none of that foolishness going on today and i was happy to see that it went off pretty smoothly even though they didn't get the the normal inauguration that they would normally get and all the people out there and just seeing that and just being able to just witness what was taking place because we went through a, a tough four years of a lot, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs, a, a lot of uh, chaotic things, a, a lot of back and forth, a lot of tension, just a lot of things that wasn't right for the entire country. And to just see that something that the transfer of power went kind of smoothly without any hitches or anybody just going overboard. I'm pretty sure there was some craziness probably going on, but we just didn't get a chance to see it because it happened. It happened off camera like it always does. But, you know, for the for the most part, you know, we got to see a clean transfer of power or or however you want to call it and to just see biden kind of come in and, and do his swearing in and seeing kamala take her swear she was doing her swearing in and swearing in all all the other people that uh, throughout the day was just a, a good feeling and, and, and whether you feel uh, good or bad about uh, biden and and the people that voted him in or kamala who be, people who vote her in as well it wasn't about that it's all about you know it was just a symbol of just calmness this is what we needed. We need somebody to come in there and kind of, you know, take things back and get it on the reins and just calm things down and try to get everybody back on the same page. And I think that's what that day kind of symbolized to me. It was just symbolized a, a day of calmness. We wanted, we had a lot of chaotic stuff going on over the last couple of weeks and to have someone to step into the shoes and try to just galvanize everybody and calm everybody down and try to let them know, is, hey, this is going to be okay. We're just going to, it's going to take us some time, but you know, today is a day that we're going to um, change this thing over and let everybody know that we're trying to you know do something for the betterment of the country not just for the betterment of one particular group in the country like trump was doing he was only looking out for the people that was going to vote for him and his his trump supporters now we can't get like we can't get relaxed and think everything is going to is going to all of a sudden take a turn for the best it's going to take time like i said we have to be patient but we have to hold them accountable you know they have to go through the inauguration we give them a couple of days a couple of weeks to get their feet wet but then we got to start pressing them and making sure they do the things that they talked about what they were going to do along the campaign i know one of his the first hundred days is like pretty important for the the next president whoever gets elected in and one of the key things for Biden that he was looking at, you know, to take care of for his first hundred day action is the first hundred days, he wanted to do a mask challenge. So he want to make sure everybody's like wearing masks and trying to make sure that we can try to curve the, the spike of the, the coronavirus, because of course it is going up. We had over 400,000 deaths and they're predicting that we, we're going to be getting up to almost 500,000 deaths by the end of the year, even though we have the vaccine kind of out there, but it had to kind of have a, a, a terrible rollout for the vaccine. They even had to pull back on the Moderna uh, dosage because it was actually having some weird reactions for a few people so of course they had to pull it back and probably go back and do a, another iteration of changes to the vaccine before they actually put it back out to the public um, another one of his initiatives he want to stop u.s withdrawal from the the who the world health organization because trump basically pulled out of that it's thin um, eviction memorandum so that basically 
help people being able to not be evicted even though they can't make any money because you know majority of the country is still on lockdown you have places like texas and you have florida and you have georgia they're still kind of wide open they're doing kind of things as normal whereas the rest of the country we're actually kind of on lockdown we can't go to the restaurants like we want to we can't go out to bars like we want to so that's a lot of the workforce you know people working in bars they're working at you know other jobs they're having part-time jobs at these different places so they can't go out and make any money so what happens is they have to wait on stimulus checks or find other means of trying to make money but sometimes it just doesn't pan out because if you're in high economical states like you know california you know your rent could easily be you know 2800 for a studio apartment or 3200 for a one bedroom and to be able to wait on a, a, a 600 stimulus check is just not going to cut it and they're probably going to go through eviction notices and things like that so this is some of those things that he's kind of looking forward to to try to help the company help the country out you know, he's also thinking about extending the pause on the student loan payments. You know, this is one of those big things like the chain and ball around everybody's ankles who's been to school has student loans because these student loans are they, they give you these student loans when you first start when you're 18 years old and you go, you know, rack up all these student loans and then you get out. You got all this crazy interest that when you're trying to pay, make a payment on a, on a on a student loan that's one hundred and fifty thousand, you're paying eight, nine hundred dollars and it's not doing anything to your student loans. And all of a sudden you're trying to pay as much as you can. And then all of a sudden you're your income is sliced in half or you know it's basically sliced to nothing because you can't work so he's going to try to extend that for everybody um 45 daca um, he's also going to reverse the travel ban on Muslim majority countries because Trump had put on a, a, a nice, he put a band on um, traveling for any Muslim and things like that. So he's going to try to reverse that. He's going to halt the border wall construction. I don't even know what, what that had to do with anything. I even know they was working on the wall, you know, because Trump always talked about, he, he ran on the campaign of we're going to build a wall, we're going to build a wall. But also he was, you know, locking people up at the borders and things like that with the craziness as well. And he's going to also rejoin the Paris Climate um, Accords. So this is things that he was looking forward to doing in the first hundred days. And like I said, the first hundred days is something that's important to the presidential, you know, the president who comes in and the presidential campaign team to try to make sure they kind of get in there and put their foot down and put the stamp on. Because I know his first day he signed over about 17 um, actions or 17 uh, things that he signed that's going to take action um, throughout the country that's going to take immediate action. So he's already on his way to trying to do some things that he probably talked about doing when he was in there. But we just don't need him to kind of backtrack on those things. Things. He does now probably have the, the Senate and the House control so he should be able to get some bills pushed through and get some things taken care of because I know one of the biggest things that was kind of hurting Obama that he couldn't get a lot of things passed because things will fail at you know the senate and, and things like that or you know just you just don't have the power but now that you have the majority especially when you flipped over georgia and you basically won the house you know um so that's going to really be uh, helpful for him when it comes down to getting things done it should be so he has a lot of things in places for him to succeed it's all about making sure he put his foot on the pedal and we continue to hold him accountable for those things and not only him kamala as well when she's out here you know making her speech and making her rounds throughout the country when everything opens back up we have to put the pressure on her because they work for us at the end of the day they are public servants to the people you know they get these camp they get on these campaign trails and they tell you all these things that they're going to do and they what they're going to do for you but when they get into the position to actually do it we have to hold them accountable you know you have to be able to you know talk to the people you have to be able to send letters write write whatever write emails however you do to get in contact with these individuals you have to be able to talk to them and express your 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 opinions and your and what you want to see done for your country to kind of make good make better for your neighborhoods and your communities 
We just have to see what these policies that he's going to put in place. You know, he's talked about a few policies, you know, but we will have to see what he's going to do. We had to put some action behind those those words because anybody can serve as lip service. But until you put some action behind it, you know, we're not trying to hear it. You know, you got to put that pressure and hold his feet to the fire. I know some of the other things that, you know, the Biden, the Biden administration is going to focus on, you know, is going to focus on, of course, COVID, economic relief, buyback America, the equity, climate healthcare, immigration, restoring America's peace in the world. So those are some of the other things that he's going to be focusing on. Some of the big picture things. He got a couple of dates lined up of some of the things he wants to accomplish. Of course, he has to get, you know, get accomplished. I mean, get situated into the White House. You have to start calling other world leaders and other governments and, and try to make peace and, and talk to these people. Let them know that he's now the new person in, in control. He's the president. And so this all this political stuff that goes on behind the scenes to kind of keep the world at ease, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people were happy to see trump go around the world and some weren't so happy and that's just how it is there's always going to be somebody that hype somebody that like you and there's going to be some people that don't like you but i just know that you know biden he went in there and he signed some executive actions to undo some of those policies that trump set up immediately and like i said he, he signed 17 documents to kind of undo some of that stuff immediately and those are going to be the type of things that we have to continue to look for for him to do in the future you know you have to continue to undo some of those terrible things that that trump was doing to to kind of get the country back on track to get into the place that you know we feel comfortable that we're going in the right direction you know a little bit more like i said calmness that's going on with the country and it's going to just take time but we do have to continue to be patient but at the same time when the time comes we have to you know hold his feet to the fire because it's just going to take him a little time to get situated but you got to hit the ground running man you can't just be talking that talk before you get elected and then you get elected and when you get in those places you're not doing what you're saying you're going to do of course a lot of them lie to us they tell us what, what we want to hear but sometimes you have to kind of, you have to push for you got to push for the things that we want we have a, a black queen in there we have to push her we can't let the gas pedal up on her either you know we can't just go with her neck but at the same time we have to be able to work with the people in in in, in power so she's in power so therefore we have to hold her accountable for the things that she do as well even though she's a, a black queen we have to hold her accountable as well because she has a duty she has a duty to the entire country but she also has to be able to look out for the people that help her got there I know one of the biggest things they want to talk and get a hold on, of course, that everybody's been wondering about is how he's going to handle the COVID-19 situation. I know Dr. Fauci has actually talked up and spoke up that they're trying to get at least 85 percent of the adults, you know, vaccinated. And, by the, and, and so the things can return to normal by fall. And I know I said a, a death's about 500 at the end of the year, but there was actually 500 by, by next month when it comes to the death because it's up to 400 now. So the numbers are going to continue to rise unless we do something about it. And I think Dr. Fauci is trying to give the people hope and give them a glimmer that things could be back to normal, back to normal possibly by fall if the vaccination continue to roll out uh, in a positive way because we had, didn't have a great rollout the first time. And this is one of the things that you know Biden is going to have to step in and figure out a better rollout plan to try to get this uh, distribution of the vaccine out to the right people in a, in, a, in a timely fashion to make sure because you have to take some some of you had to take a couple of doses of it you know one of them you don't it just depends on what what brand of um, that you're going to get so you know this has to be a coordinated plan to make sure and strategize to make sure that you can get it out to the people as fast as possible to try to get us back to some type of normalcy because you can't continue to lock people down we've already been almost a year at this you can't continue to push people into the house and make that the new norm that's not how that's not human that's not how humans you know supposed to be uh, we're supposed to be able to be in physical contact with people. That's how we are wired. We're wired to be in physical contact. We've been in our bubbles for a long time, and it's now it's time for us to kind of get back into some of a, a normal workflow, a normal life. 
because it has been reported that, you know, Joe Biden and his advisors had inheriting no coronavirus vaccine distribution plan to speak of from the Trump administration. So you can imagine what they have to do. They have to almost kind of build it from scratch, you know, build it from the ground up. So you have to put a plan in place and try to get the distribution of the vaccine out to the people. That's the most important thing. If we can't get out to the people, you can't expect things to change at any point. It's going to be continued. The numbers are going to continue to rise and we're going to continue to be in lockdown for the next several months. And we don't want to continue to be in lockdown. So they have to get in there and figure out something. They have to get these smart people in the room together and figure out the best way to get this out to the people as fast as possible. And the crazy thing about this is this is going to be a part of his legacy. You know, can he turn things around? You know, it's almost how like when Obama came in and the, the economy was down, everything was on on a dial spiral. And then he had to get in there and he had to kind of lift that lift the country back up and get it back, get it back, turn into a positive uh, fashion. So for him to kind of come in with a coronavirus is actually just running rapid and the numbers are crazy and they don't have any plans. This is going to be his defining moment. Like, can he get in here in his first hundred days and kind of see some type of turn? And we're going to be see some type of action to try to get us in the right direction. This is why you this is why you've been elected. This is a tough job. Yes. But when you have to get in there and you have to have the smart minds, you have to have the intellect to try to figure these things out. Yes, it's going to be overwhelming at first, but, you know, this is what you get paid for. This is why you get elected. You want to be in these roles. You have to be able to handle this pressure because it's going to be pressure to get in there and turn this thing around to build something from scratch. Something that you really had no hands on, you know, knowledge with when you were, you know, campaigning. I'm pretty sure you knew a little bit about it, but as a president, you know a lot more. So for him to come into a situation where there was nothing in place for the rollout and, and Trump probably was like, hey, hell with it. I'm about to be I'm trying to almost about to be out this White House anyway. I'm not dealing with it. And so the new guy who comes in has to kind of figure things out. You know, they have to put a plan in place, which is going to take time and effort. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. You know, we're not here. We're not here for excuses. This is not the excuse business. You are at the highest level. You are the president of the United States of a first world country. We're not here for excuses. We need you to get in there, do what you promised you're going to do and turn this thing around. This is why all eyes on you. This is the pressure that you signed up for. And these are the things that you have to do to define your legacy as a president. On a lighter note, Eugene Goodman was awarded a congressional gold medal for potentially saving lives in one of the darkest days in U.S. history when they when the, the Trump supporters stormed the castle. You know, he was able to come in and get that award. And one of the great things about about the inauguration, he was able to um, escort, you know, Kamala Harris into the inauguration, her and her family. So, you know, kudos to him for doing the great job that he did to kind of help save lives because things could have possibly been even worse had those uh, the rioters and well, terrorists, was we're calling them, able to get into the Senate floor and put the zip ties on people's and who knows what they were going to do. But, you know, he had the mindset to be able to lead them away and he was rewarded with the with the medal. So congrats to him. Congrats to, you know, heroic thing that he did and his family and being able to, you know, be honored in such a way that I'm thinking that uh, a person in that position would love to be honored on the biggest day in the biggest stage in the U.S. history. As Biden, you know, starts to take over and get the power and start to sign these executive, you know, orders to undo what Trump did, you have to think about, hey, Trump's on his way out, you know, but as a, a, a president that's heading on the way out, they get the opportunity to do some pardons. So, you know, Trump went out and he did some last minute pardons of, you know, I'm not going to name all the names that he pardoned, but I'll name some of the people that we know of. Of course, some of the celebrities that he got a chance to get a pardon. It was like Lil Wayne, Kodak Black, 
Cormac Kilpatrick. And this one right here is the one that Snoop Dogg kind of campaigned for. Um, the Death Row Records co-founder, Michael Harris. We used to go by the names Harry O. And there was many, many other names that he he went out and he did some pardons and clemency too. And the, and the president that's uh, actually the pardon, he has the ability to do some pardons and things like that. But the crazy thing about it, you know, you kind of hear about, you know, some of these people and how they got pardoned and you kind of hear the rumors. And, you know, I kind of did a little, little research and trying to see what was happening. And there was a, a according to the business insider, associate of Rudy Giuliani, uh, told a former CIA operative seeking a presidential pardon that Giuliani could have arranged one for about $2 million, you know, reported by the time the New York Times. So you're basically trying to tell us that they backdoor secretly buying their freedom. So they're being able to, if you have the money and you've been able to coordinate any of these type of, you know, pardons, if you talk to the right people, then you could probably almost buy your freedom. You know, I'm not in a position to say, you know, I wouldn't do it, but I'm pretty sure if I was locked up behind the walls, um, I would try to do whatever I could possibly do to come home and see my family. You know, so for for Trump to be selling these on his way out, you know, he does, you know, if he does a hundred of these at two million a pop, you know, but I'm pretty sure they're going to say, hey, this wasn't a true thing. This is just false reporting. Of course, they have to deny it. Nobody's going to say, come out and say, oh, you know, we're paying the president to release us at two million dollars a pop. You know, I'm not going to say that it's true because I don't know. You know, these are just words that's coming from, you know, business insiders. And these are things that are talking about behind the walls. They just kind of put it out there. But if there were a two million dollar fee to get someone out of jail, I'm pretty sure I'll pay it, too. You know, I want to get out. So if I want to see my family, what's the best way to get out? I'm going to have to go work with who, whoever's in, in, in power. It's not necessarily had to be Trump. It could be Obama. It could be, you know, the Clintons. It can be whoever's in power. If I'm in jail and I have the ability to try to go and get out, I'm, I'm trying to do what I have to do to get out. So we see why Wayne kind of aligned himself with Trump, you know, not to say that, you know, this was he was going to be locked up. He knew he was going to get locked up for the gun charge because that's basically what he got locked up for. He had a private uh, allegedly he had a he had a, a gun on his private jet. Um, and, and with him being a convicted felon, you can't have any any firearm, any weapons in. You automatically can get up to 10 years for having a firearm in possession. So for him to kind of, you know, align himself with Trump during the campaign, taking a picture and we got all going, you know, laughing and kind of talking about, you know, what are you doing, Wayne? And that came back to kind of, you know, in his favor. So he, he, he buddied up to the right person at the right time to you know, help him get free from that time. He was probably going to have to serve because being a convicted felon when caught with a gun, they're going to try to stick it to you. You know, celebrity or not, they trying to make an example out of you. So, you know, with Trump going out and doing that, you know, I'm pretty sure there were some other things because they asked him, had Biden, but they asked Biden, had he had talked to Trump for any, at any point. He said Trump basically wrote him a letter, but he wasn't going to disclose it because he hadn't talked to Trump about it face to face if he was able to kind of speak on it in person. So we know he's just feeling sour. You know, he's a sore loser. So he's going to, you know, pretty much pack his bag, hop on the plane and get back out there and do what he's been doing. Probably hustling people for things for uh, buildings or whatever he hustled people for to come up on his money. You know, however he's going to do it. He has the time now. But the crazy thing about it, he's he's been impeached again. He'll be the first president to be impeached twice. So I want you to wonder, like, why would this why would they care about his impeachment? You know, these are just some simple the things that I'm thinking about why the impeachment and why we would go for, because that no longer gives him the opportunity to have those, you know, presidential details. And he receiving money because as a president, once you're out of the White House, you continue to um, have money that's issued to you each and every year. And I'm pretty sure that would kind of stop. I don't know about the, the Secret Service detail because you wouldn't want to have a president, a former president kind of walking around with any detail. But these are some of these 
other things to think about as far as when it comes down to this impeachment. He's not, he doesn't have the power anymore. He's gonna have to fight this with his courts and he has to spend his own money to try to get these lawyers off his back and not have to serve any jail time. Also with the impeachment, he won't be able to run again because knowing someone like him, he'll try to run again maybe the next term because he's already served one term and you can you can be a two-term president. Even though you don't win it back to back, you still have the ability to come back and run again at, at your choice. So I can imagine if, you know, if he wasn't impeached, he can probably come back, you know, try to run again, stir up some, stir up some, you know, some people to try to vote for him. But if he's impeached, that is a no-go. So, you know, this impeachment can kind of go in the in the favor of the people to keep him out of the White House again because I'm pretty sure if he ran again, there's going to be those Trump some saying Trump supporters out there thumping the streets ready to cause some havoc to try to get out there and try to vote him back into office the next go round. They're going to keep us well informed how this impeachment goes and if he's going to serve some time, even though I think he'll somehow beat it. He already beat it the first time. So, you know, them having the ability to impeach him again and being able to stick it to him this time with him not being the president of the United States. Who knows if he beat it one time, he can possibly beat it again because he, he knows the right people in the right place. And he, I'm pretty sure with him being in office for the last four years he know where the bodies are buried so he doesn't want to drag those people out into the light and they don't want to be drug out there in the light themselves so therefore they'll probably just do it for show and eventually let the case go so that pretty much just wraps up, you know, what I've been talking about when it comes to Trump. But, you know, overall, the inauguration, it was a good, you know, day. It was good to see the visuals from it and just see the calmness of the, the transfer of power. You know, it wasn't anything chaotic that happened throughout that day. You know, it was a pretty calm day. People kind of go on and, you know, one event after another. It was, you know, it was just a, a nice event to be put on and see all the smiles and see the, you know, the black queen into the house. Again, I like to talk about that, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, being the black queen, the, the aka that she is so you know just want to talk about that again it was good to see for myself and good for my kids to see and i'm pretty sure it was good for a lot of other the young kids around the world to see someone of color into the white house again and it's going to be nice to see some young kids with some vibrant energy running around through the White House and being in these photos for the for the next four years. I almost forgot there was one more person that was trying to get that pardon from Trump, but didn't quite get it. And this is called the, the section of doing too much and also, you know, count the eggs before the hatch. You can't put the cart before the horse. You got to put the dope in the bag before you can go out and hustle. You gotta be able to put the weed in the bag first. You can't be out here just grinding, thinking you're gonna get your way, and then all of a sudden you're gonna go out here and tell people you're gonna be getting free, you're gonna be getting, the, you're gonna be getting pardoned by Trump, and and all of a sudden you show up and you got this whole this, this stress truck and limo type of deal, and you got hair and makeup, you're gonna have a grand exit, and all of a sudden you don't get that pardon, and that's when it comes back to doing too much. You just play your part, play your role, be quiet, and hope everything work out for the best. And when you get on the other side. That's when you talk big. That's when you talk bad. You don't talk talk the game before you actually get through it. You know, he looks like a fool now. He thought he was going to get that pardon. And if you anybody has seen the Tiger King, you know the whole situation and what went what, what, what down and what he's in jail for and the things that he's been accused of. So, therefore, for him to be able to be out here hitting the streets and thumping and thinking he was going to be able to get out fast, it just wasn't going to work. So, that's what I just want to make sure I didn't forget about that to talk about that. So, you always want to remember to never count the eggs before they hatch. You want to make sure you have everything lined up before you start talking about them because it can always go left at any point in time. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this segment up. Don't forget to grab your lighters, pull up again, and come back and holler at your boy.
Thank you guys for sticking around to the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back for another segment. I'm hoping you got your lighters and you got your drink and you're ready to go for this lag segment. So, you know, tighten up your chin, grab, grab your glasses. Let's go. So this one I want to talk about, you know, just um, the whole situation that went down because I do like sports and I like to talk about things that happen in sports. If you're a sports fan and you'll, you'll love this segment, I'm just want to talk about what happened in, you know, the new, new Brooklyn Knicks, you know, Kyrie and the whole situation. So, you know, with Kyrie, you know, he's one of those type of guys that he has to to kind of work on his on his pace and he works at you know his own temperament he's kind of moody and you kind of know what you're going to get but he's a superstar he's going to go get those buckets for you he's going to be able to kind of put you in a position that your team is going to be able to win because he can go get buckets at any point in time you know he can't be stopped one-on-one but again there are other things on the flip side because if you haven't heard, there was a trade that went down where Harden, you know, James Harden that came from the Houston Rockets. He wasn't happy in a situation where they basically gave him everything he wanted. You know, he had his buddy at Russell Westbrook. You know, he had CP3. He had Dwight Howard. You know, he had the, the system that he wanted with D'Antoni. He was the point guard. He was running. He was putting up, you know, scoring champs. He was also being a, a league MVP. And then it came to a situation where he kept making until the, 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 the playoffs. And then he was going to put out early and he was you know, making a little bit further he just couldn't get to that ultimate goal and he felt like he would he was just done with Houston he felt like he had took Houston as far as he could take him even though they he took him as far as he can take him they gave him everything that he wanted and then there were reports that came out after the fact you know when after they traded Westbrook they were talking about how James was just running everything he was you know he was late for meetings all the time and it was just all on James Harden time so players didn't really like that but they were winning so that when winning cures all it covers up all things that goes bad in your organization and so he got to the point where he just like hey i'm done with this i want to be out you know he wasn't showing up to camp you know he wasn't showing up in shape you know he was showing he was fat and all of a sudden he's like look i want out of here i've done all i can do you know they played the lakers that one last game and they didn't do well and they lost and then he was just like i've done all i can do and then he talked about he had already been talking about being traded and eventually he got to trade it you wanted he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets where they already had you know Kevin Durant and they had a squad there already and they had to give up a lot to get Harden and then they also had Kyrie who, who was already kind of MIA at the time because he just basically didn't come to work he had a no call no show you know he didn't tell anybody what he was doing or where he was going eventually he texted his buddies as I was on the team and let them know what was going on but he didn't text his boss or his manager or coach or anything like that anybody else in the organization so this is what you're going to get from Kyrie he's one of those guys he, he moved on his own he, he moves to the own drum of his beat you know he's gonna do what he want to do at his time and and he's probably just having some some issues within his family but then he also he was seen at parties and you know his family parties and he's dancing and he looked like he was happy so he could have been all just more of a, a mental uh, break and fatigue from you know playing basketball but these are the things that you sign up for you are a superstar player uh, you've won a ring people look up to you and he's just a very you know deep intelligent guy and he talks the way that he wants to help people you know i just want to list off some of the things that he's done because this doesn't get a lot of recognition for the support that he's done throughout this whole pandemic you know we talk about him being his moody and the situation that he's in and the injuries that he have but a lot of this goes unnoticed for the things that he's done to help the community with the money that he's made from the nba in just the, the 2020 year, you know, Kyrie Irving donated 323,250 meals in the NYC during the COVID-19 shutdown. He donated 200,000 Beyond Burgers to the NYC Food Bank. He started a $1.5 million fund to support WNBA players. He produced a justice uh, for Breonna Taylor TV show. He donated $50,000 to the COVID-19 mask. 
So, and he also, uh, Kyrie donated 323000 to launch a campaign to send food to New York to communities in need. And this is what I'm talking about. These are some of the things that he's done with his money. And so you can't take that away from him. If he's doing, if he's talking about this talk and he's doing the things that he, he needs to do, but he's also doing things beyond what a lot of other players are doing. You know, he's talking to talk that he's talking and he's walking the walk. So he's about supporting and he's putting his money, you know, where it's, it's most greatly needed. Because during this pandemic, these are uh, tough times on the entire country. And these ball players, they're making millions upon millions, especially someone like him where he signed million dollar contracts. And then he also signed million dollar shoe deals. And so this allows him to be able to, you know, spread his money out and help support other people. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. Like I said in my previous podcast, if you're going to obtain all this money, at some point you have to give back. You can't just hoard all the money, buy all the Gucci, buy all the Louis Vuittons, get all this high Dior, high price stuff, and not think about the people who help you get there. Yes, the people who watch the games are not paying you directly, but the eyeballs and attention is what gets you paid. You know, we watch the games, they run TV ads, they sell their they sell those ads to the, the, the companies that want to be seen on TV, and then they take their revenue and then they break it off and they give it to the owners and the owners share it out to the players. So it's all a trickle-down effect. So, but he's taking the money he's earned from these contracts and he's actually using it for some good. He's helping people in these communities. And I'm pretty sure there are other players that's out there that's within the NBA and surrounding the NBA that are not being seen and not being heard for the great contribution that they're doing. And I want to salute them as well, but I just doesn't want, I just don't want to take away from the great things that Kyrie's done over this past year during this pandemic. Yes, he's a ball player. Yes, he's kind of moody. Yes, he doesn't play when he when he doesn't want to play. And he's just going to do things on his time. And for those players, it's all about tolerate. Can you tolerate him? Will you tolerate him? Yes, you will tolerate him because of the things that he can do. You know, when it comes about sports, it's all about winning. And if you have the players that can, you know, get you to the to the to the mountaintop, you'll put up with a little bit more than someone who's the 13th man on the bench. If he was the 13th or the 15th man on the bench, he would have been got cut. But because you're able to, you know, get these baskets, get these buckets and go out and perform at a high level when it really counts. That's what it's all about. And I think that's how Kyrie feels. He's like, hey, man, this is just a regular season game. These are not really important. You know, we are going to make the playoffs. And when we get in the playoffs, that's when I shine. That's when I do the best because I'm wasting all my time and my energy on the floor in a, in a regular season game when it really doesn't count. But in a, in a big big scheme of thing, they have to play together. They haven't, you have a new team, you have Kyrie, you have you KD and you have Harden. You got three alpha males who's all done it on their own at some point in time, or, you know, have been in tandem with somebody. And so they never really had to play with, you know, another alpha male two other alpha males on the, on the floor at one time. You know, they may have had another guy that was on the team. That was a guy, you know, KD had, you know, Westbrook and then he had, you know, um, Curry and, and and the guys there at the Warriors and then you also had Harden who he kind of played with CP3 and and so so on and so forth but these guys have never played together so if you're not you know practicing of course because of all the COVID regulations the only time that you can really get some you know flow in the game with the three of you is only on the court like we saw the first day he came back you know he played high minutes 51 minutes and they lose to the, uh, the Cavaliers because they don't know one another they just don't know one another they know one another from a 
afar. They've seen each other games, but to actually play each other in a high intensity game where you're being pushed and you know you have to go over the screen, you're gonna make this extra pass, and what am I gonna do in a situation when the game is close? Who's gonna take the shot? These are the things you have to be able to, to learn by just playing with one another. You can't just talk about these things on a chalkboard and expect them to work. You know it doesn't work like that. You have to practice with each other, you have to play with each other, you have to get into these situations to understand how each other how each person is going to react. And so this is just some of the things that is going to have to take place when it comes to you know that Brooklyn Nets team. These three alpha, alpha males, it's almost like a championship or bust type of deal. We, when those type of players get together, they don't want to hear anything about, oh, we don't have the talent, you know, we don't have the bench. It's all about, you know, can you win now? Because these deals only come few and far in between because, you know, contracts are going to come up. These guys are going to get paid. Who's going to take less? These situations are going to happen. So they have to, you know, do it right now. Your window is very small because when we look at those dynasties, those dynasties, a lot of those dynasties don't last, you know, a long time. They, they are, they're a lot they're a lot shorter than where we really think about it but as we going through it it feels long but when you look back those dynasties really don't last that long so you have to take advantage of the time that you have and that goes for any championship team that wants to you know repeat and three-peat and do things like that you have to be able to maximize the time that you have you know i enjoy sports uh, i enjoy the football and the, and the basketball that's going on now it's just seems like we're in sports heaven because you know several months back we didn't have anything we were just looking at paint on the wall we was looking at guys shooting free throws in their backyard and it was just a tough time but now we have you know all the sports and i'm glad the guys are you know are healthy of course they have some games that are canceled because of you know people contracting the, the coronavirus and the contact tracing so i want to hope you know put my prayers up for those guys make sure that they pull through because this is a, a dangerous situation that's still going on you know even though we had the vaccine people are still getting sick and for them to be able to continue to give us the sports that we enjoy and we love and they're putting their life on the line by traveling from city to city you know i know they have some crazy restrictions on them but for them to continue to do what they do for for us and for themselves and their families you know i want to salute them because they don't have to do it they can opt out at any time and they can just um, sit at home and, and make sure that their families are taken care of and their safety is and their well-being is taken care of by not going from city to city and, and being around different people that possibly could give them the virus that they can transfer it back to one of their loved ones. So to those guys, I give you, you know, nothing but the, you know, the kudos and, 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 a, and a tip of the hat that you deserve. So, you know, you guys are giving us this entertainment and we're really enjoying it and we're loving it because we love sports. We're a country that really love our sports. We love our sports. We love our sports athletes. And when you guys are uh, raising up those trophies and you are a part of, you feel like you're a part of that, that trophy ceremony. If you, if that's your team that won, you just feel so much joy. It gives you bragging rights against your friends and your chat guys. So it's just one of those moments and one of those times and, and your lifetime that you really feel good about the organization that you've been rocking with and kind of been seeing going through the ups and the downs and finally getting on top so with that you know I, like i always say man it's collaboration over com over competition you know go out there continue with you do your 180 day plan you know put that put the pen to the pad and put down a plan and go after it don't just put it on the pad and don't put any action behind it because a vision without any action is just a wish so stop wishing, put some action behind it, and let's get it. This your boy Frank Nitty from the Dirty South. Until the next episode, get at your boy. I'm out. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to grab some merch, canvas prints for your home or office, or see the full link video from this episode, please visit DoeVision.com. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DoeVisionSF. Also, send me an email to someone you'd like to hear on the podcast at DoeVisionSF at gmail.com. 
Also, please join the Dovision Club at patreon.com forward slash Dovision for early access to the content and some of the behind the scenes look at some of the episodes that I create. While you're listening, don't forget to hit, hit the subscribe button and comment on the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and turn on those post notifications so that you'll be notified each and every time I drop a new episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, collaboration over competition. Until next time, this your boy Frank Nitty, and I'm out. Yeah. <laughs>